this morning, as we get started here, we, we want to look at Acts chapter 1, verse number 8. And we're starting a series. It's a two-part series uh, named Starting Point. And the reason why it's named Starting Point is because this is, in fact, our starting point. It's a starting or establishing a point in time where we begin walking our lives out together in life and in, in ministry as family of God. And it's kind of like our wedding day. You know, we, we have, we've dated for a while now, asked a lot of questions, talked to one another a lot, and eventually the moment comes when, when the I do's are said and now we are, we are married. And, and some people wake up in the, the next morning after their wedding and they wake up and then they say, Oh God, I'm married. And some people wake up and say, Ah, yes, I'm married. I want us to be that second group of people. That first group, you can make it. But that second group is probably going to make it a little faster initially. And so that, that's where we are this morning. And, and for us, this really is our starting point. It's the start of our lives together. And I, how, how you start something, you can kind of tell a story about how you're going to end something, how, how things are going to end up for you later down the road. And today I honor Pastor Andy and Miss Jenny and the great work and life that they've lived here and the work that they've done here. And, and I also look forward to the time when uh, they re- continue to be part of the life of this congregation and the life of this church, 34 years is an, a, a great run. It's a, it's a great span of ministry that doesn't happen too often. And, uh, and life has been lived here and been built here. So I, I look forward to having many cups of coffee and things of that nature with you, Pastor Andy, and, uh, and gleaning from your wisdom as we all move forward together. But today we want to look at a biblical way to start things, a starting point as given to us in New Testament. And when, when we start something, it's best to start it on Scripture. And so today I'm going to use more Scriptures than I normally would in a you know, 30-minute, 40-minute, hour-long sermon. Um, <clears throat> just kidding. Uh, the, uh, I'll use more Scriptures than normal because we really do want to establish where we start on the Word of God. And so Acts chapter 1, verse number 8. It's a key passage in this congregation. It's also been a key passage in my life. Uh, in fact, the, the church that we planted in Hawaii years ago, this was the key verse because I believe this is a key verse for who we are as a New Testament saved children of God. This is, this is where our starting point is. And so Acts 1.8 says, But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses. Telling people about me everywhere, in Jerusalem, throughout Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. And if there's a phrase that comes to my mind from Pastor Andy, it is, Our Jerusalem is... So you were listening. Our Jerusalem is Savannah. That is our Jerusalem. And then we have Judea and in the Samaria and into the ends of the earth. And what Jesus was doing here with his disciples was he was establishing a starting point for them. Up until this point, he had walked with them and talked with them and, and told him they were his own. And, uh, and he, he, uh, <laughs> Sorry. And he, he, he just, he was with them physically, but now their, their whole relationship was shifting. They were changing, and he was telling them, listen, you're going to have a starting point where everything that has been 
is shifted and you're going to have to continue to move on. It's not the end, but it is a new starting point. And so he said, our relationship is changing. I'm not going to be here, but I'm going to send a comforter. That's what he was talking about with the Holy Spirit. In John 14, he had explained it to them. He said, he is the Holy Spirit who leads into all truth. The world cannot receive him because it isn't looking for him and doesn't recognize him. But you know him because he lives with you now and later will be in you. No, I will not abandon you as orphans. I will come to you. This was his promise to them. And then later, Paul would write. He said, I've been given the honor of sharing with you this, this gospel of Jesus Christ, this message of New Testament, New Covenant salvation. And, and he said, this is what you need to know. He said, this message was kept secret for centuries and generations past. But now it's been revealed to God's people. For God wanted them to know the riches and glory of Christ are for you Gentiles too. And this is the secret. Christ lives in you. It gives you the assurance of sharing His glory. And so now he's, he's explaining the starting point to His disciples. Their new relationship would be empowered for action when the Holy Spirit came upon them. And this morning I have three thoughts for you. They are cleverly identified as thought number one, thought number two, and thought number three. (laughs) Thought number one is this. The new covenant starting point has not changed. He is the same. Jesus said, I am the same yesterday, today, and forever. He he does not change. And so here here we have the new covenant starting point has not changed. His starting point in ministry, we watch it happen in the Jordan River. He comes to the Jordan as John the Baptist is baptizing people. And in the Micah Sutton version of Scripture, he, he says, you need to baptize me. And John says, I'm not worthy to baptize you. And Jesus says, but you gotta. And John says, okay. It's a little bit different than that, but that's the general picture. And so John baptizes Jesus... And Scripture tells us something beautiful, that when Jesus comes out of the water in Matthew 3, the heavens were opened, and He saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and settling on Him. Jesus, up until this point, is living a good life, a perfect life, but He hasn't launched His ministry efforts yet. And now, from this point forward, His ministry efforts begin. This was a starting point for him. That's our first illustration, but we have a second illustration as well, and that occurs in Acts chapter 2. Jesus said, go to Jerusalem and wait for the promise of the Father. These followers of Christ were going to become the early church. They were going to become his body on earth. And so he said, go to Jerusalem and wait for this promise. And so they are there. They're in this thing called the upper room. And as they are there in the upper room and they are praying, the Bible records that suddenly there was a sound from heaven like the roaring of a mighty windstorm and it filled the house where they were sitting. Then what looked like flames or tongues of fire appeared and settled on each of them and everyone present was filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other languages as the Holy Spirit gave them this ability. 
This was a new starting point. Up until this moment, they had been afraid, concerned. What were the powers that be going to do to them now that Jesus was gone? If they could crucify Jesus, what could they do to them? But it's after the Holy Spirit comes upon them that we record, that we see recorded rather, that Peter stands up among the, among the 120 and he begins to teach and talk about what the new covenant salvation would be. And how the, the whole thing would come to pass. They went from being cowardly to standing up with courage because of the starting point. We have the starting point of Jesus, we have the starting point of the Jews and the church, but we also have a third starting point that most of us in this room are very grateful for, and that's the starting point of Cornelius and his family as they launch really the new covenant salvation message into the Gentile world. The Bible records that Peter was praying and God begins to speak to him and says, Hey, listen, I've got somebody and he's a Gentile and you need to go talk to him about me. And Peter was like, I don't know if that's a great idea that I don't mix with Gentiles. And, and God said, Yeah, but don't call that which I've created common or unclean. And so Peter ends up in the house of Cornelius. And the Scripture says, even as Peter was saying these things, he was sharing the Gospel, the Holy Spirit fell on all those who were listening to the message. The Jewish believers who came with Peter were amazed. They were amazed because they didn't think Gentiles could know Jesus. But they were amazed that the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out on the Gentiles too. You have the the starting point of Jesus' ministry. You have the starting point of the Jews in the early church. And now you have the starting point of the Gentiles. And I will tell you that the starting point has never shifted as well. We need the Holy Spirit to come upon us as we begin this life and ministry walk together. What will the Holy Spirit do? He will lead us into all truth. What will He do? He will comfort us and care for us in times of trouble. What will He do? He will empower us to do a greater work than we can do on our own and by ourselves. Holy Spirit is necessary in our walk as we move forward. And that starting point has not changed. Our thought number two this morning is that the starting point isn't a place. It is a moment. It is a moment. We're talking about this as if it were a marriage or a wedding. And around the globe today, there are men and women that are getting married. They are, they are joining together in holy matrimony. They are, they are becoming two separate entities and they are joining their lives together and becoming one. And in a moment, this happens. They can look back to that moment and say, this is when this occurred. In our culture... This usually occurs when a minister uh, says, I now pronounce you man and wife. And then they say, you may kiss your bride. And we all pretend like this is the first time they've ever kissed. And we take pictures. And it's a beautiful moment. It's a moment that's occurring. That moment, in that moment, promises are made. And these promises that are made, they're, they're made out of free will. Some of you are thinking right now, did I do that on purpose? 
They're made out of free will. A promise that's made without free will is no promise at all. That's why nobody can be compelled to become a Christian. They must freely give their life to Christ. In this moment, they willingly enter into common covenant. And that leads us to our thought number three. That is, the starting point always includes a covenant. These three starting points we've talked about this morning, they were all commemorated first at a table. Jesus sat at this table with His disciples. He knew in that moment that one of these disciples was going to betray Him, was going to sell Him out. He knew in that moment that one of these disciples was going to be the reason He would end up on the cross. Now, in my small mind, I think you have you and you have 12 disciples. That means 13 people are in the room. There is one out of the 13 that's going to betray you. And you know who they are. You know their name is Judas. You don't hear too many children named Judas today. His name is Judas. So in my mind, I think... The other twelve of you could pigpile on Judas and tie him up or even kill him. And he could never do what he came there to do. But in the mind of Jesus, a covenant had already been made. You see, in, in the mind of Jesus, he had already said, he had already agreed, he had already promised to be the sacrifice for your sin and for mine. You can see it in the choice of words that he used in Luke chapter 22. He took some bread and gave thanks to God for it. Then he broke it in pieces and gave it to the disciples saying, This is my body which is given, which is in the process of being given for you. Do this to remember, remember me. The disciples could have said, wait a minute, is given? Jesus, you're sitting here at this table. How is your body being given currently as a sacrifice for me? But they may not have known that Judas was then in the process of selling him out, even then. Remember you, you're 33 years old. You've got plenty of life ahead of you. Why would we be talking now about remembering you? I've talked to young people who got, were getting married or buying homes or changing careers, and I've told them, have you considered uh, the life insurance that you carry currently? Have you considered that? And, and they look at me as if I have three heads, and they say, hey, uh, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm 31 years old. Why do I, why do I need life insurance? And, and I'll say to them something like, you're a one-income family, and if you pass away tomorrow, how is your wife and children, how are they going to be cared for? Jesus, why are we remembering you now? If everything they said was true. A choice had still been made. Look at what John 3.16 says. Probably the most 
well-known verse of Scripture in the Bible. Many of you could probably quote it. It says, For this is how God loved the world. He gave His one and only Son, so that everyone who believes in Him will not perish but have eternal life. This is the promise that was made. This is the, the, the choice that was made. But it wasn't made when John penned those words. It was made far before John was even alive to do the writing. In fact, Peter records at 1 Peter chapter 1, it says, For you know that God paid a ransom to save you from the empty life you inherited from your ancestors. Your ancestors really gave you emptiness. No matter how much they gave you in this world, it all comes to emptiness without God. And it was not paid with mere gold or silver, which lose their value. It was the precious blood of Christ, the sinless, spotless Lamb of God. God chose Him as your ransom, key phrase, long before the world began. Before the world began. I think about it this way. A a, a parent takes their toddler and decides they're going to take the toddler to the park. So the the, the parent, usually the mother, uh, because fathers don't think about this stuff, they typically... and. And they take the, parent, the, the toddler and they say, we're going to go to the park. And so they dress the child in cute clothes. Cute clothes, cute socks, cute shoes, cute hat, cute backpack, cute everything. And then they walk over to the room where they hold the diaper bag. And they put outfit number two into the bag. Then output outfit number three into the bag and number four into the bag. And if you're the candle family, number five and number six and number seven into the bag. They don't want their child to fall in the mud, trip in the lake, have an accident in their clothes, and so on. They don't want that. They want to go to the park with a clean child and come home with a clean child. But in their foreknowledge, they know it's not likely to happen. In fact, it would be called a miracle if it did. You would expect the child to never be able to get in the bathtub. They would just be standing on top of the water. It just, it doesn't happen that way. And so, the parent does what a parent does, and God did what a parent does. He said, I'm going to create humanity, but I know they're going to walk away from me. I know they're going to fail. I know that they're not going to keep the covenant with me as we've put it together. And so, I need a sacrifice. I need a perfect I need a perfect sacrifice to die for them so that they can be saved. I want them to have a way to come back to me. And so the father says to the son, Son, I love you, but I love them too. And I'm going to send you there, and I need you to live a sinless life as only you can. And then you're going to die at their hands. 
But in three days, I'm going to lift you up again. And you're going to sit at my right hand. And, and, and that's the plan. That's what we can do. That's what's going to happen. And the son said to the father, I agree to those terms. And a covenant was made. And so now, Jesus is sitting there at the Last Supper, and He's telling His disciples everything is changing. But He can't change the plan because a covenant has already been made. And that's when God says, let there be light, and there was light. That's when God said, let us make man in our image. And He formed man out of the dust of the earth and breathed life into him, and man became a living soul. That's when that happened. It happened After the covenant was made and when speaking to his disciples, Jesus says, remember me, commemorate the covenant I made on your behalf and the ordinance of communion that we enjoy together today. It is the commemoration of our starting point. It's why we take the bread and drink the cup. It symbolizes the covenant that was made and then lived out by our Savior. So this morning, I'm asking the elders if they would come and join me on the platform. And I'm asking the ushers if they would serve the congregation the elements of communion right now. And we are going to enjoy communion together as we remember what Christ did for us. I ask you to hold on to that bread and to that cup for just a moment. We're going to enjoy the communion service together in unison. And then after that, we're going, to, we're going to enter into covenant together. It's a beautiful moment. We honor the covenant and the sacrifice of Christ together. And you're here. I invited you the first time. I didn't invite you this time. I'm happy that our uh, executive pastor, Benton, is joining us in this time of communion and covenant. Ushers, serve the people. Praise God. So the scripture says that Jesus took the bread. And when he took the bread, he broke the bread. And he gave it to each. After he took the bread, he took the cup.
This morning we honor the sacrifice that Christ made on our behalf. He died so that we wouldn't have to. And He accomplished what we could not accomplish on our own. Salvation is a free gift for all mankind. But it's not free completely. It's free to you and I because He paid a price. So this morning as we honor Him and we bless we bless Him in remembering. We say, Jesus, thank You for Your body. Your bruises, the lashes, all that You bore, the piercings, all that You bore for us in Your body. We thank You and we remember can we take the body? Then he took the cup, representing the blood that was shed for your sin and mine. So today, Jesus, we we thank you for your blood. We thank you that it's pure because you lived a sinless life. Let's take the cup. So today we enter into covenant together. I will enter first into covenant with you. And then, led by the chairman of our elder leadership team, Mark Seitzinger, the congregation and the elders will enter into covenant with me. So I ask you to stand with us this morning. Here is my covenant to you. I, Micah Sutton, agree in covenant with McCord Road Christian Church. I pledge to bring all the gifts, talents, and life that God gives me to the effort of leading this congregation and organization. I pledge to hold nothing back from you. I pledge to live a life worthy of the honor you have offered me and to which God has called me. I pledge to teach, preach, and live truth that is defined by the Holy Scripture alone, recognizing that they are the words of God. I pledge to respect all people and beliefs but to Christ alone bow my knee. I pledge to engage in mutual submission with the governing bodies of this church according to the bylaws with the intention of fulfilling the great commission of Christ Jesus our Lord. 
We will go into all the world and preach the gospel to every person. We will love God. We will love each other. And we will get the message out. Heavenly Father, we are thankful that you are God of covenant relationships. And so, Father, on behalf of McCord Road Christian Church, we as an elder team agree in covenant with you, Micah Sutton. We pledge to bring all the gifts, talent, and life that God gives us to the effort of leading this congregation and organization. We pledge to hold nothing back in our effort to follow God's will and plan for our church. We pledge to honor and support you as our pastor, believing that God has empowered you to fill this position and calling in our lives and in this church. We pledge to heed the teaching and preaching that is defined by the Holy Scriptures alone, recognizing that they are the words of God. We pledge to respect all people and beliefs, but to Christ alone bow our knee. We pledge to engage in mutual submission with our pastoral team according to the bylaws of this church with the intention of fulfilling the great commission of Christ Jesus our Lord. We will go into all the world and preach the gospel to every person. We will love God. We will love each other. And we will get the message out. Every starting point we've seen in the new covenant included the Holy Spirit's empowerment. So I ask you to bow your heads with us this morning as we ask the Holy Spirit's empowerment upon the beginning of our journey together and upon the covenant we have made. Holy Spirit, you descended upon Jesus in the waters of baptism. You infilled the Jews on the day of Pentecost and you overwhelmed the Gentiles Cornelius and his household. As the gospel was opened up to the Gentile world. So we ask you this morning. That you fill us. That you empower us. As we stand at the starting point of our lives together. We can't do this without you and there would simply be no point in trying. So we need your power and presence at this moment and ongoing. So we seek you today. We welcome you today. We receive you today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. And amen. I ask the musicians to come if they would. And as we begin to close this service, I'm going to ask you just to take a moment. And however you feel comfortable, however you feel confident, if you would like to just bow your heads, if you would like to lift your hands, 
I would like for you to just take a moment and make it personal in your own life. You might say something like, Holy Spirit, I I receive that into my own life and I enter into covenant together. You might say, Holy Spirit, empower me to do the work that you've called me to do within the context of this congregation of loving people. I don't know what you need to say, but I'm just asking you in in a private moment, just touch the face of God and let Him touch you.